Who are three Denver Broncos players on the offensive side of the ball who have the most pressure performed not named Russell Wilson here in 2023? You're going to get that and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The offense for the Denver Broncos struggled in 2022, and there are several players outside of Russell Wilson who have the most pressure on them to perform or to just maintain a high level of play. Welcome into a brand new episode, Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content coverage, and more every single day, all year long. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today. To get started, Sarah, my friend, as we continue on with the third week of organized team activities this week for the Broncos, just one week ahead of the start of mandatory minicamp, we're getting closer to Broncos football. Training camp is just about six, seven weeks away. It'll go by really quickly here. But on top of that, we've done some episodes here to really focus on offensive players, defensive players, specifically in different categories. We're going to talk about players here on the offensive side of the ball who kind of have the most pressure on them to either improve or to maintain their high level of play coming into this season, not named Russell Wilson. And I tell you what, we got to start off with one guy who's coming off of a major injury, and that is Garrett Bowles at the left tackle position. There is a lot of pressure, I think, from a perception standpoint about Bowles here. There's a lot of pressure on Garrett Bowles, Cody, to not give up a lot of pressure, right? I mean, I think that's really the key after your offensive line last year. You give up over 60 sacks. Of course, Bowles wasn't part of all of that, but he was part of some of that early on in the season before the injury took place. And of course, we we got to see him out on the field there in the photos and the videos that have been circulating at OTA. So I feel like that's kind of an underrated storyline that hasn't been talked about a ton, although I guess I wasn't entirely sure what what was his timeline with the broken leg there. But it's great to see Garrett back out there working on the field. And I think he's going to play a huge role in this offense. Now, that seems to be stating the obvious, right? I mean, well, of course, he's the left tackle. But look, Garrett Bowles is going into a year where Cody, beyond this season, I feel like his you know, potential status with the Denver Broncos could be in question, right? It's not It's not a guarantee that he'll be around in 2024 given his cap hit and given the low dead money number that the Broncos would have to eat if they move on from him. Remember earlier in the offseason, there were some trade rumors circulating about Garrett Bowles and things like that. So, of course, you're probably not going to trade a good left tackle in the NFL unless you have a viable alternative in in place already or somebody with the with the draft you know first two rounds of the draft obviously the broncos didn't start this draft with a pick in the first two rounds so unrealistic to expect anyone to come in through the draft and start there you sign mike mcglinchey at right tackle but garrett bulls at the left tackle spot got to be one of the guys under the most pressure on offense this year and look, I think there are a multitude of ways we can look at this pertaining to Bulls, right? Because he was on an upward trajectory, right? His career, we all know it. The, the story was not off to a great start. I mean, you can almost say that he had maybe a worse start than Lloyd Cushingberry has so far on the offensive line to his career in terms of, you know, versus where the expectations were for him. But for a guy like Bulls, you're, you're spot on there. I mean, after this season, Sarah, 
kind of factoring in that there were during the offseason some rumors about him potentially looking to be traded, so on and so forth. Bulls dead money here. If Denver were to move on after the season, it's only $4 million versus if they were going to move on this year, it would have been $8 million. $4 million changes things a little bit more than the $8 million does overall. So, I mean, if he doesn't play well or if he struggles this upcoming season, I mean, it is fair to maybe assume that, hey, Denver might be looking at other options down the road. But if not, like best case scenario, let's say Garrett Bulls plays really well. Then Denver's going to be in that situation as well where they might have to pay him again. They might have to extend him another year or two at this point because he is approaching the final years on his contract extension he initially received after his fifth-year option was declined years back. So there is a lot of pressure on Garrett. I think more so not just because Sean Payton's coming in. You have a brand-new offensive scheme. I think that there are some question marks, right? You know, Is he going to be able to maintain his same level of play that he was at or maintain the good level of play that he was at before suffering that major leg injury. I, I will say this. Look, the Broncos offensive line this offseason, sir, they got bigger, right? With the additions of Ben Powers, with Mike McGlinchey, who's six foot eight. I mean, he's ridiculously tall, and he's also pretty big and athletic as well. You look at Lloyd Cushingberry, he's gotten bigger this offseason. Quinn Miner's gotten bigger this offseason. I'm not exaggerating when I say like Garrett Bowles is like the smallest offensive lineman on this team right now. And that could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, but Throwing it out there, Bulls definitely has some pressure on him, I think, to perform because there are concerns. There are questions, I think, from Broncos fans about him coming off the injury. But I will tell you this. He doesn't look like he's limited at practice from what I've observed at OTAs. He's out there. He's moving. He's engaging. He's participating in every drill. So that is a great sign here for Bulls as the Broncos prepare for this season. And it would be great to just have that continuity, right, where you can have your starting five offensive linemen kind of grow together over the course of the off season and just see where that takes you. I mean, I, I mean, I would take that alternative, just knowing who the five are going to be for all or most of the season, as opposed to this just revolving door at seemingly every position that the Broncos have had over the last five, six years, there's been no continuity on the offensive line there. Even when you have a coach like Mike Munchak, you know, from 2019 uh, all the way to 2021, you got a coach that's as great as this guy, a hall of fame player, like your offensive line, it's just it's shuffling too many parts for even Mike Munchak's offensive line to be great. So now Zach Streif getting his hands on Garrett Bowles, getting his getting Mike McGlinchey, getting all these guys. I think with with Bowles, it's going to be making sure we go back to whatever he was doing under Mike Munchak, right? Whatever Mike, because when Mike Munchak came, it was like bang, Garrett Bowles getting that contract extension a year later. So what did what was he doing? And maybe Garrett's already talked to Zach Streif about that about hey. This is what we were working on. This is what Butch Berry was trying to do. You know, uh, hey, th this is what I'm good at. Things like that. I mean, it's just it's not as simple as going out there and just lining up. You know, you're not just looking at a guy um, in Garrett Bowles who's you know 85 overall or whatever he is on Madden. Cody, I have no idea what's good or bad or average on Madden <laughs> these days. But you're not just lining up these guys that are like, well, he's 85 and he's 86 and he's 63 and like. It doesn't work like that. You have to work together. So now you got Ben Powers working in tandem with Garrett Bowles. I think that's going to make him better. I think this offensive system, Sean Payton and his critical eye at practice, that's going to make Garrett Bowles better. I hope all of these things prove to really get him to that next contract in Denver because that's the best case scenario for everyone involved. Some of the things we saw with Bowles under Mike Munchak inside the scheme in which Munchak was coaching was there were times where Garrett would pull from the left side all the way to the right side. I mean, remember 
We saw it back when Philip Lindsay was still the ball carrier for Denver. We saw some of those power plays from you know the tackle position. I think Sean Payton's offensive emphasis is going to be getting their guys out there. Look, Garrett Bowles can bury people. We've seen him pancake dudes in the run game. That, I think, is going to be the primary focus of what Sean Payton is looking for, what Zach Streif is looking for. But then it's like, hey, in times where there is pass protection situations, how do you maintain against some of the top edge rushers that you're going to face this upcoming season? Denver's going to have their hands full with some really good edge rushers, and that will be a big test here for Garrett Bowles this upcoming season. Broncos country, we are always eager for your thoughts as well. How much pressure do you feel like Garrett Bowles has on him coming into the season? If you're watching on YouTube, drop it in the comments down below. Interact with other members of Broncos country, or if you're listening wherever you get your podcast, you can always tweet us at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked on Broncos. But as we continue this conversation on top players on the offensive side of the ball who have the most pressure Going into 2023, not named Russell Wilson. This next player we're going to talk about, it's not like he has to perform better. He's been performing great, but it's can he sustain that high level of play this upcoming season? We'll dive deeper down today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Right now, the finals are ongoing between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat, and new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 Back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Is Denver Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy one of the three offensive players under the most pressure in 2023 I kind of think so, Cody. I really do. I think Jerry Judy, like you mentioned in teasing this segment, which I love, Jerry really, he's done a great job in the last couple of years. He's played at a high level. I think one of the Broncos that we've talked about this before, and people could see this as an excuse for Jerry. I think it's valid, Cody. I don't think he's been used correctly the first three years of his career. I would say maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time. I think a lot of, we notice it a lot that Jerry Judy hasn't been utilized properly but now you got Sean Payton in the building he's an expert elite level hall of fame level coach at utilizing offensive personnel I've got him in the building Russell Wilson hopefully getting getting things together this year I think the pressure is on Jerry Judy not just to be a good receiver but to be great like we've seen his peers in that 2020 NFL draft class a lot of them just absolutely balling out right especially specifically Justin Jefferson, right? Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. I mean, he, what, 1,400 yards his first year, 1,600 his second year, 1,800 his third year. You'd love to see Jerry Judy get to the point where he's a go-to guy just like Justin Jefferson. And I think that right there is what makes this year a pressure-packed year for Jerry Judy, getting to that wide receiver one level. Well, you know, for Sean Payton, as much as he's talked about the offense, like going back and watching last year's offense in which his only word that he's given it, it was hard to watch and certainly Sean we are in agreement with you we watched it every week and it was it was brutal uh, you know especially for Broncos fans the offense just didn't look like it could do anything and there were times throughout last year right where I would tweet like while watching a game while being at a game it's like man how come they're not going to Jerry Judy how come they're not moving Jerry Judy around how come they're not targeting him in the middle of the field because he's creating opportunities like he's open at times and the quarterback's either not looking his way or doesn't have enough time to throw it to him but for Jerry Judy, he was recently on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall. And I, I felt like he he said something really good in there that stood out to me because 
you, you brought up guys like Justin Jefferson, other receivers in his class, the CD lambs of the world as well. To me, he was asked about that. And he's like, do you ever look at what these guys are doing? And do you get frustrated that you're not doing those things? And he said, you know, I can't compare myself to where those guys are at. You know, there's different circumstances and 110% spot on Jerry's circumstances. You can make the argument. He didn't have a great circumstance coming into the NFL in comparison to guys like Justin Jefferson, CD lamb, like, just the, the difference, I'd say, between the environment that those guys had initially coming into the NFL. Jerry's like, you know, I can't look at that. Like, I just have to focus on me and I have the ball. You know, I have to make plays. And Jerry even acknowledged his rookie season where he talked about the drops. And that hasn't been an issue for him since his rookie year. And I think it's really important that we continue to highlight that because we still see some of the comments. We still see some of the tweets where, like, he can't catch a pass. That's not the narrative anymore. Like, you got we got to pay attention to what the present is there. For Jerry, I mean, I felt like really in that last stretch of the season, Sarah, last year, we saw who pop wide receiver Jerry Judy is. We saw like if Jerry Judy was Justin Jefferson and these guys in that type of role, this is exactly what he's doing because the Chargers couldn't guard him. The Chiefs couldn't guard him. Nobody could guard him one-on-one. And then it came to the point where defenses were allocating so much of their resources into ensuring that they were adjusting wherever number 10 was, that it was creating opportunities for other guys like Cortland Sutton, even Albert Okwebunam in the final two games of the season. To me, that is maximizing what you have with a player. Now, Sarah, I'll, I'll go on, on record here saying, I don't think Jerry Judy needs to put up monster numbers this season. I don't think he needs to, but I think he needs to put up efficient numbers, right? Like, we're, you know, we could talk about yards. There's a measurement there. But for me, what am I looking at in terms of efficiency? Last year, he had six touchdowns. Can he have eight? Can he have nine this year? Or even if he gets six touchdowns this year, Sarah, to me, that is efficient. If it's helping the Broncos win games, to me, I think that is huge for Jerry, and it will put him in line to be able to receive a contract extension here. Right, and even more so, too, than just touchdowns or yards or things like that. It's, hey, how much is Jerry really impacting the game? Like, is he moving the chains on third downs? When you need uh, somebody to pick up yards after the catch, it's third and six, right? You throw that little pass short of the sticks by a yard. Is Jerry going to be the guy to go get that extra couple of yards to move the chains and keep drives alive? He has the, the ability to do all these different things that we're talking about, and we do. We just need to see it consistently and I think we will look Justin Jefferson we know he's going to get that money we know he's going to get that big money T Higgins about to get big money CD Lamb he'll get big money Jerry Judy doesn't need to have had these past three years that those guys have had if he has a big season in 2023 Cody he's going to get that same kind of money maybe not like Justin Justin Jefferson may be on another tier right now he might reset the market but, but you're still Jamar Chase exactly those guys those guys are going to get that, you know, that top flight, like, hey, you are an elite company money, but Jerry has a chance to really touch that, you know, top 20, top 15. He can get there with a big season. The Broncos already picked up his fifth year option. So we know they're already seeing the vision. Like Sean Payton talks about this vision all the time. They're already seeing the vision of, okay, this is who Jerry is and who we believe he can still be. Now we see that on the field in 2023, Cody. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already got something drawn up, written up to say, hey, here's our first offer, because we know that the longer this goes on, the more you play well, the bigger this check is going to get. So wouldn't surprise me in the least to say the Broncos, hey, they want to rip up that fifth year option and extend him rather quickly based on how he shows early on in the season. And it's so hard right now to just sit here and think that, OK, Sean Payton, you know, if if 
Nathaniel Hackett couldn't maximize Jerry's opportunities like Sean Payton will. He will find a way to do that. It's hard to imagine that that would not happen here in this situation. And I I think the formula is out there, right? These guys are at their best. And I think Sean Payton has come out this offseason. He said it before that he's not just going to pigeonhole guys as an X receiver or Z, but it's can he play in the slot? Can this guy rotate from X to Z? Can he go from Z to X? Can I mean, can they do all these different things that will allow us as an offensive unit to be able to maximize our personnel, maximize our opportunities? Sean Payton is that type of coach. I mean, we talk about a guy who, Sarah, I don't know if anybody's ever touched on this. I don't know if we've ever touched on this here on the show, but Sean Payton is a guy who is really emulated, has looked to Mike Shanahan as one of the coaches that has inspired him offensively throughout his career. So for me, looking at that and just, I, I would even say even observing Payton at practice and observing him and talking with him during press conferences, he's very, very smart. He's very aware of different things. So for us to sit here and say, hey, well, if they can move Jerry around, they're going to be successful. We not only can we see, I guarantee you, Sean Payton sees it in like 10 different layers that we haven't even thought about yet. So for me, that is something I'm excited about, about this upcoming season. And look, we, like I said, OTAs continue this week, mandatory mini camp next week, and then there's the layoff and then training camp is here. And that's where everything ramps up even more. You're going to have contact. You're going to have joint training camp practices. You're going to have Friday night preseason games for crying out loud. And then the regular season will be here where, Hey, you're taking on a, a division rival that there's a lot of bad blood there between both teams. And there's going to be a little bit of a new theme there for the Raiders as well to open things up. And the Broncos have every opportunity with their personnel. If they can manage things right this offseason, I think that they can make some noise this year, but they're going to have to put the work in there. It's going to have to translate on field, regardless of how they look in practice. And I'm excited to see what that looks like, right? I think you get these guys on the field and you get to finally see some of the vision carried out and you get to see kind of, okay, this is what Sean Payton has been thinking about in utilizing these players. And it's not just Jerry Judy, right? Because Jerry Judy's under pressure, but it's everybody in that offense. Jerry, he's going to be the one that they're, they're calling upon first, hopefully as that wide receiver one. But like you mentioned before, it's going to open up those opportunities for everybody else to really, I mean, you know, Tim Patrick coming back, Cortland Sutton needing a bounce back here. Remember we said, don't write Cortland Sutton off. Now we're talking about the Greg Dulcich hype train has fired back up again as of OTAs. And really it's, I think everything starts in the passing game, at least with Jerry Judy and his presence in that passing game is going to help Sean Payton do what he wants to do on the ground as well. So there's a lot of pressure, in my opinion, Cody, on Jerry this year and seeing that vision fleshed out, seeing it played out, that's it's going to be crucial. And I think it was great to hear, like you said, the I Am Athlete podcast is great to hear Jerry. He seems very much poised is the word that I would use heading into mm-hmm. his now fourth NFL season. He just seems ready to, to capture that. In the first couple of years of his career, kind of felt like, man, he got those rookie jitters. And then the second year and the third year, you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with maybe zero touchdowns. Remember the zero touchdown year in in 2021? So there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on that's like, it kind of feels like there was this tension. Like, does Jerry even want to be a Bronco? Like we were feeling bad for him watching his 2020 peers in the NFL draft do so well. And we doing this show and fans all over Broncos country feeling bad for the guy now everything has the potential to change in a massive way in 2023. 
2023 big be the year. I was going to say big the year. Can it be the biggest year here for Jerry Judy? We'll dive deeper into that on Lockdown Broncos. There's also one more player we want to highlight here on the offensive line who has the most pressure on them coming into 2023. You'll get that on today's Lockdown Broncos. Real quick, let me tell you to go check out the Lockdown Nuggets podcast hosted by Adam Mates and Matt Moore. The NBA Finals are ongoing between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Did the Denver Nuggets over the weekend on Sunday, did they go up 2-0 or is the series tied 1-1? Check out all the recap and all the action from Lockdown Nuggets wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. We already talked about Garrett Bowles being one player on the Broncos offensive line who has the most pressure on him to perform or to maintain a high level of play this upcoming season. There's also another player who has to turn things around, who has to have the best year of his career, I think, in order to be on the Broncos long term. And that is Lloyd Cushenberry. Broncos country, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. Make sure you subscribe or follow so you never miss out on an episode as soon as it's made available. And shout out to all the everydayers out there in Broncos country. But Sarah, I wanted to get your thoughts here on Lloyd Cushenberry. I do want to mention a couple of things I alluded to a little bit earlier here in the show. Lloyd looks bigger. He looks like he's packed on. He's bulked. And that's good, right? Because if you can combine maybe what we see with his athleticism that has been there since the start, since he's coming to the NFL, but if he can add that strength and that size to his repertoire, maybe he can turn in the best year of his career at the right time, right? Maybe his development at the beginning of his career has taken a little bit of time, but maybe he's right where the Broncos want him. There is pressure on him, though, to perform here this upcoming season. Big time. And I don't know that it's coming any heavier from anywhere else besides himself. Right. I mean, I think for him, he's got to be looking at this situation thinking, okay, I'm one year away from potentially being like somebody's backup center. Not that he's thinking negatively, but like it's time to get things going. And really, maybe the most surprising, shocking development of the offseason is the fact that Broncos didn't really do much to try to replace him at the center position. I know we've talked about the rookie Alex Forsyth, like maybe he could come in and potentially start. You got obviously Kyle Fuller, the other Kyle Fuller in free agency to be your backup center now. But really, I mean, the Broncos, even with a market that was so favorable to the team, they haven't done anything to go out there and try to really replace Lloyd. In my opinion, I don't think a seventh rounder is going to ultimately do it, although that would be a cool story. I don't think Kyle Fuller is going to do it. Cody, for Lloyd Cushenberry, now the pressure is really on to go out there and be that guy, not just to get to a second contract. But look, if, if you're going to get to a second contract with the Broncos, it's got to mean what? It's got to mean that you actually play well consistently. And that's been the issue for him over his first three years, right? It hasn't been, uh, up until last year, hasn't been injuries. It hasn't been anything like that. It was, man, he looked like he was a, a fish out of water his rookie season after the LSU offense in 2019. They were just dominant. I mean, they were so good. And Broncos fans felt like, we got him around later than he was supposed to go in the 2020 NFL draft. Well, it hasn't quite worked out. Like you think sometimes you can just throw draft picks at, at players or positions and everything's going to work out. You think, well, you throw a third rounder at the center position. He's going to play well. You throw a second rounder at guard. He's going to play well. No, that's, that hasn't really been the case, right? Dalton riser already. We saw him departed from the team. What's, what's the future hold for Lloyd Cushenberry? I think he's probably been asking himself that question which is going to put the pressure on squarely. He's got the the two fingers pointing right back at him and the two thumbs pointing right back at him for where that pressure is coming from. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing too is can this scheme, like I've, Lloyd Cushenberry has been a guy since he's been in the NFL, what is it, 
you know, going from LSU, LSU's offense to the Broncos offense under Pat Shermer to go into, you know, you had another year under Shermer. And then you also had the dynamic where you had Nathaniel Hackett and you had Butch Berry, different coaches, different, I mean, different schemes, different, you know, coaching points for him. You know how hard it is to develop players when you have a constant change? You and I have talked about this before. It's hard to really emphasize player development when there's a revolving door of coaches and schemes coming in out of the building. Now, granted, we know that there are opportunities. Let's say you have a coordinator performs really, really well for you. He gets a head coaching job. It makes sense. You might change position coaches every once in a while. But when you have a, a revolving door of position coaches and coordinators and head coaches, it has an impact on maybe your ability to, to do things, to adapt. And for, for Sean Payton, I even asked him this question. He said, you know, there's also things as us as coaches, we have to adapt to what they also do good at. You know, it's not just about what we're, what we want them to coach. Obviously there's things they need to learn that we need them to do, but it's also, we can look at maybe what they've done throughout their career and say, okay, Hey, we can tweak this a little bit to maybe adjust to, okay, this guy does this. Well, here's how we can maybe build it into our scheme. Something like that. That's great coaching, right? But at the same time, can the player pick it up? Look, Lloyd Cushenberry, one of the smartest offensive linemen in the Broncos, you know, offensive line room, one of the smartest players in the Broncos roster entirely. He's got the mental attributes. He's got the athleticism and the strength part of being able to overcome some of the size that we saw. Remember Vita Vea in that first, uh, his first season lined up on him and Vita Vea and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely had a field day. It was a rough moment, but it was a learning moment for Cushingberry. I will mention this. You mentioned the injury last year. That was the first time he was able, he was able to come back but the Broncos decided to hold them out. I'm not sure why, if that was the, them protecting their investment. But for me, he started every game that he's played in his career, which I think is very, very impressive. The Broncos in prior years have brought in competition for him in training camp, and he's somehow always come out on top. Can he do the same thing here this upcoming season? It's a great question. I really hope he can, too. I really hope that there's no question about it after the first couple months of the season. I hope we're like, wow, like Lloyd Cushenberry is really out there killing it and he's doing a great job. That's what we want to see. That's what we need to see. And that's what where this discussion really comes from. Right. And so it's all about him, like you said, kind of piecing these things together, making sure that it's not just about, you know, uh, we got the athleticism, you got the smarts, you got the intangibles. You're irreplaceable in a lot of ways. And yet, you know, on a third down against the Kansas City Chiefs, they just line up Chris Jones over the top of you as like a cheat code. And that's where it, that's what's become so frustrating, isn't it? It's like it feels like he's doing all right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have the Vita Veas or the Chris Joneses of the world or whatever. And you have those guys just, all right, go line up against Cushenberry. All of a sudden, the middle of the line of scrimmage is getting destroyed. And you're wondering what the heck is going on? Was that a miscommunication or what was missed? Uh, what what happened up there? You know, it's that kind of stuff. That's like it, it's drive killing stuff on third downs and and early on in your play sequencing. That's like okay, we need to. It, it's the start of a drive. The other team just scored. We need to get the offense going. You can't be going three and out because you let somebody blow up the middle of your line of scrimmage on third and two. You know, and you try to keep the playbook open. Those types of things, right? That's what we've seen. That's what we need changed in 2023. And I hope that the Broncos' faith in Lloyd Cushenberry is rewarded. Has to be at this point as well. You know, th this is the best time frame that you're going to get to be able to see what Lloyd Cushenberry will bring to the table. In Broncos country, we know Sean Payton and his coaching staff, they're evaluating everything. And, you know, whether it's individual period, whether it's group, whether it's team drills, 
the eyes are going to be on the Broncos offensive line because that's where they've made their most investment. And if Sean Payton has come out and said, we view him as the starter, that means he sees something in Lloyd Cushing that maybe not everybody always sees, right? And I'm excited to find out if that is the case this upcoming season. But that will wrap up today's episode of the show. Just real quick, Broncos country, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to us or to watch us, whether you watch on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast, It means a lot that you make us part of your day. We're very grateful for every single one of you that interacts on the YouTube comments, that interacts on Twitter. You make the show exactly what it is. And Sarah and I, we cannot wait to be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show where for all you everydayers, here's what you can expect. We're going to dive into the top three players on the defensive side of the ball who might have the most pressure on them to maintain a high level of play or to perform even better this upcoming season. You'll get that much more on tomorrow's brand new episode of the show.